Hello, my name is Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times, it's what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time, the monarchy and the right to protest. Can you respectfully mourn the passing of the Queen while still opposing the institution she represented? These are questions posed by the reaction of the police in different parts of the country to those who wanted to counter the royalist narrative being pumped out by pretty much most mainstream media. A 22-year-old woman was arrested for breach of the peace after holding up a sign with the F-word and calling for the abolition of the monarchy during the royal proclamation in Edinburgh. Simon Hill was arrested, then de-arrested, for shouting out who elected him during the proclamation in Oxford. A woman with a Not My King sign was led away by officers after protesting outside Parliament. And we'll be hearing shortly from Paul Powsland, an anti-monarchist who was threatened with arrest in London after holding up a blank sign. Before that, just a reminder that the Byline Times podcast is funded by subscriptions to The Byline Times, our brilliant monthly newspaper. We can report without fear or favour and hold the rich and the powerful to account because our funding comes from ordinary subscribers, people like you. There is no corporate interest or millionaire backer telling us what to say. So please subscribe, if you can, to the Byline Times. You get full details over at our website, bylinetimes.com. That's at bylinetimes.com. There's loads of exclusive content in the paper that you can't get online. So then to Paul Powsland, a barrister who doesn't recognise Charles III as his king. Paul was threatened with arrest for protesting about it outside Parliament. The reason I went down was because I saw the video of the woman with the Not My King sign being led away. And it affected me, I think. I was, I was quite annoyed by it and upset by it. I believe that you know freedom of speech is one of our most fundamental rights. And it's a right which is delicate and has taken many centuries to build up and it's often in these moments of national patriotic fervor that that right can get lost if you don't actively uphold it so i decided to go down and hold my own protest to see see what would happen i suppose and to make sure that you can still do that but also because i had a, a hearing the next day I couldn't risk getting arrested and letting my client down so I decided to go in with a uh, just a blank piece of paper to sort of point to the fact that actually maybe we're not allowed to say certain things anymore and that in itself is uh, is, a, is a is a protest worth having and then uh, I walked around for a bit and an officer then asked me for my details and I asked him what would happen if I wrote not my king on the piece of paper and he said well you know you'd probably be arrested because it's offensive and we had a a, a longish chat and then that that was that and then that's I think affected a lot of people I'm really sensing quite a lot of people whilst respectful towards the queen and the mourning period around the funeral are actually quite annoyed at the way the queen's death and a lot of the affection that's felt for the queen it feels like it's being rather cynically used by Charles to bolster his accession and his acceptance as the new king whereas actually that's quite it's quite a big question and it's it's a political question you know should we have do, do we want a new king and if this is not the time to question that then when is so just to be clear then you were walking around with a blank sheet of paper you were actually displaying the blank sheet yeah of paper. Yeah, yeah yeah like that <laughs>
<laughs> and the police kept looking up at it and then, and then some of them would check around the other side see if there's anything on the back and there wasn't and they just sort of most of them just looked at it and kind of just didn't know what to do but one was brave enough to come up and start questioning me about it but other people were there to pay their respects to the oh court. no not not really it was outside parliament so there wasn't you know buckingham palace is where the respects are being paid it was mostly just tourists wandering around and lots of police officers I couldn't see a single person paying respects outside Parliament. There's no flowers there. I don't think I would go and do this protest outside Buckingham Palace at the moment because it feels a bit feels a bit edgy when people are grieving to intrude upon that. But this is not. There's there's no grief there. It's it's Parliament. It's our political centre. And it was also the place where yesterday the new king addressed his Parliament, telling us all that we're now his subjects. Which, if that's not a you know a valid target for peaceful political protest, and I'm not quite sure what is. The idea of the blank sheet of paper as a means of protest was given publicity recently in Russia, where mm. people were holding up blank sheets of paper, presumably mm. fearful that had they used any words, that could then be used against them. They, they were still arrested for that, though. <laughs> exactly. Um, and people have not been slow to draw the parallel between you can be arrested in Russia for holding up a blank sheet of paper in protest and you can at least be threatened with arrest whilst holding up a blank sheet of paper outside Parliament yeah. in the UK. Let's be real about it. The, the situation here is significantly better than Russia. It, had I done that in Russia, I, I almost certainly would have been arrested and would have not even maybe not even been released very easily, you know. But the key thing is that that takes constant work. The rights that we expect and that we in many ways take for granted take work. And actually, it's at these moments when they're threatened that you really have to stand up and, and push back. And that's actually has been what has happened since the kind of media furore over, over the, the different arrests that have happened over the last few days. The Met Police and other police forces have rode back a bit. They, they issued a statement about mine saying, you know, people have the right to peacefully hold up signs effectively. So I'm going back there this evening with a small group to hold up the Not My King sign. And I, I don't think I'll be arrested because I think the police have realised that that would be unwise. And therefore, going back today, will hopefully confirm to everyone that we still have that right, that it's still there and that they can go and use that without fear. Because the other thing is as well, it's, it's not even about whether an arrest is valid. I think it's very likely that had I been arrested, I would not have been convicted for that. I just wasn't committing a criminal offence. But even the threat of arrests creates a chilling effect to people. Other people aren't as confident with the law and to be able to talk to officers and to tell them that what they're saying is nonsense. And it's important, therefore, for those that, that are able to say that to go out there and do it so that other people understand that they do have that right. So I'm hoping to go back there with my sign today, hold it up, take a photo and say, actually, I wasn't arrested. The police have rode back and actually... Everyone can, and to some extent should, I think, if they have an opinion about the accession, protest that for the accession. You posted a video of a conversation that you had with a police officer outside Parliament in which he was, it seemed to me, getting uh, quite agitated with your reasoned responses. What kind of reaction did you have to the video that you posted on social media? Oh, it's, it's been... Yeah, my most <laughs> intense experience of social media, it's gone, it's gone wide. I think it has, I think it's tapped into something that actually, I think it's a more common opinion than we think, or at least more common than is represented in the mainstream media, for people to be generally, to like the Queen, to think that there should be a respectful funeral in the morning for her, but to find the obvious PR exercise that is being carried out to cement Charles on the throne and to use the Queen's reputation and the affection for her to do that 
as a little bit cynical and to be very outraged by attempts to try and stymie free expression at this time. I don't think that's as minority opinion as perhaps the coverage in the mainstream media would show that is. And social media has shown that people, I think, are do have that opinion more than we think. Yeah, I'm posing the question in this, in this podcast. Can you be pro the Queen, recognise her devoted public service, notwithstanding that she had a life of privilege, but I think most fair-minded people would acknowledge that she attempted to do the best for her country and do the best mm. as she would see it, given the role that she inherited. But whether you can I... be pro-Queen, but anti-monarchy, and there's a nuance in that question, which yeah. is, to me I... is absent I... from most of the coverage. I, I wouldn't even say I was I was pro queen. You know, intellectually, I was against the idea of monarchy. It doesn't really make much sense, but it just she was always there, wasn't she? I was just born into this system, and she was she was there when my parents were born. You know, like she's just always been there, and it kind of worked. It was kind of comforting in a strange way to have this this familiar presence. But yeah, Charles is not her, and it, it feels very odd when we've always had the same monarch for someone else to come in and sort of say, ha I'm, I'm now your king and I'm, I'm, and, and you are, you are my subjects and everyone's doing all these trumpets and God save the king and all this, what feels like nonsense, to be honest. And doing it, I think, to be reflected in the queen's memory and good standing to try and bring some of that onto him. And I think that's a slightly cynical exercise that I find I'm, I'm, I'm not in favour of. In terms of, what is legitimate protest and what the law should intervene in. I was interested to notice that the woman in Edinburgh who was arrested had a swear word on the piece of paper that she was holding up. And you mentioned that you would not have carried out the same protest outside Buckingham Palace where people were grieving. So do you think that there is a place for the police perhaps to intervene, not to clamp down on protest per se, but to acknowledge the sensitivities of other people. No, I don't I don't I, I, I don't think that's a role for the police. I, I think there's a big gulf between what I would do, which is a which is a moral choice for me, versus what the police should do using the powers of the state to quash dissent. I personally wouldn't use the F word and I personally wouldn't do things outside a, a memorial event but actually I don't think it is illegal or it's questionably illegal for people to, to do that and I, and I don't think it should be illegal you know there, there should be a basic level of freedom and sometimes that is going to be encountering views that you don't like I mean for instance I'm generally uh, left-wing and you know pro-LGBT but would, would, would I allow a Christian to stand at a gay pride parade with a sign saying they don't like gay people yeah and I would go up to them and, and debate with them forcefully. That's what I do. I often see, you know, uh, if, if, if I see someone with a sign in the street that I disagree with, I love to go up to them and have a good old debate about it. And really forcefully. And, and, and if I disagree with the view strongly, I'll harangue them in, in, a, in a peaceful, calm way. Really go for them and, and, and interrogate those views. There is scope in the law, it seems to me, to argue about time and place. So that, for example... There are people who have successfully won restrictions against those who like to protest outside abortion clinics, for example, and holding up mm. images of dead fetuses. Now, people say that you're allowed to have 
a view that abortion is wrong and that is effectively tantamount to killing a child, but that you should not be allowed to express that view at the entrance of an abortion clinic where women will mm. be going to have termination. So in that sense, doesn't the law make a distinction between a right of protest and a right of protest in a certain place at a certain time? Yeah, and I think there's been some specific circumstances there where they've used, I think it's antisocial behaviour legislation to give sort of exclusion zones around clinics, which um, I can see the reason for. I mean, in general, I personally lean more towards free speech in these things and to give a wide berth to the state intervening on these things, even if it's offensive or even if it's some people might find it yeah, distasteful. Exactly because I know that sometimes people are going to find what I do offensive in, in this moment, you know, even holding up a sign at Parliament, nowhere near any kind of memorial event at this time. I've had people on Twitter, you know, calling me all, all names under the sun for, for daring to even um, protest at this time. So you've got to be careful to make sure that what rules you're applying to others, you're willing to have applied to yourself, I suppose which is, of course, the essence of the law, isn't it? You're saying that Charles is not your king. Why not? Well, I go for the Monty Python. I didn't vote for you. <laughs> Why would I owe him allegiance? He's a, a prince of the house of Saxe-Coburg-Gotha, which has hardly existed for even that long. I've cared for oak trees older than that dynasty. It's a random German royal family that was trucked over here because we didn't have any other heirs. On what basis would I believe him to be my king and for me to owe him allegiance? Not, not on the basis of any particular things that he's done as a person, not on the basis of my consent, because I've never voted or agreed to it. Why would I? I, I, I always turn the question around. On, on, on what basis are you saying I am bound to him as a subject <laughs> to? Other, of course, than the, the, the obvious answer, which is force. That's it. It's a threat of violence, isn't it? Is, is what he's ultimately relying on. But luckily, because I was all I was born a British citizen, I never had to go through the silly ceremony where you pledge allegiance to the king. And I have never, and I don't think I ever will pledge allegiance to him. And he can't make me do that. No one can make me do that. I hold no allegiance to him. I wouldn't fight for him. I wouldn't really do anything for him. My allegiance, if I can see it, is to these lands, to these islands, and the weird, wonderful often bizarre, but usually kind people that inhabit them, that I inhabit these islands with, and to the thoughts, ideas, and systems that are built up over centuries, and we're very lucky to have, like free speech. Those are my three key allegiances, not to a random guy of a, a prince of a German family that's been around for a couple of hundred years. Yeah, it's arguably problematic though, isn't it? For people who are of a progressive mindset, who would consider themselves to be Republican, to observe this outpouring of grief for the Queen. And you might argue that some of this has been manipulated, that there is a, a cynical exercise going on in terms of bolstering Charles's position. But isn't the truth that most people in this country support the idea of a monarchy? I think they have done under the Queen for, for reasons that I think are similar to the, to the ones that I told you earlier for me. Like, intellectually, I could see the monarchy wasn't a great idea, but it seemed to kind of work. And it was comforting to have the same presence as the head of state all the time. But that has that has changed now. And yes, there's an outpouring of grief, but that, that will fade with time. And then we're left with this seemingly grumpy, 
entitled rich old man who says that because of accident of birth he's we're his subjects and actually i think a lot of people are over time going to be like are you are you my king i don't really agree with that and i think we're going to see now once the mourning period for the queen has passed i think there's going to be a significant uptick in republican sentiment as i say i, I feel it myself this is the first time in my life this week that i would now describe myself as a republican the point that you make i suppose is the strongest argument against any form of monarchy, isn't it? The idea that here we are in 2022, that anybody should have a position of any sort of power or privilege handed to them purely by accident of birth. I mean, Britain is great. The monarchy is really the most obvious example of it. But of course, we still have hereditary members of the House of Lords, over 100 of them, who literally make legislation by dint of birth. We have people who own vast tracts of the countryside, which they exclude other people from by accident of birth. And of course, huge wealth, which they use to control the political process by birth. Also, but the media, of course, the Daily Mail is owned by a person who inherited from his father and then uses that to control significant amounts of the media narrative in this country. So the royal family is the king is the most obvious example. But Britain is replete with examples of those who wield power by pure accident of birth. And I think it's the task of people who disagree with that to really speak out against it and why it's wrong. That was Paul Powsland. I'm Adrian Goldberg. And before we go, just a reminder that the Byline Times podcast is funded by subscriptions to the Byline Times, a fantastic monthly newspaper edited by Hardeep Matharu. Find out how to subscribe over at our website, bylinetimes.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.